tell me about growing peonies. How do you pick a good site for a peony? Because they're amazing flowers, but and they can live forever, right? But but how do you know? And then I've heard that it's something that you don't want to plant too deep. But then how do you know if you're planting it deep enough? Yeah, these, are, these are all good questions. Peonies, how deep? Uh-huh. Where to site? Um, yeah. The the lovely thing about peonies, as you know, is once they are established in a good spot and they're happy, um, they really can can bloom and be part of our garden for a lot of years. Um, one of the things inciting them, and I know we kind of chatted about this a year ago or so, um, is is really prepping your site and picking a site that is free of super invasive weeds like morning glory or <laughs> scylla bulbs or any of those running what? grasses like what I have here where I've planted my Yes, peas. or any of those running or bent grasses, um, things that are going to come up through the peonies that you're just going to constantly be fighting because you can't really get to them without lifting the, the peonies. So um, as far as depth, uh, you know, you want you want to be able to see those fleshy little tubers a little bit on the top, like gently covered, but but not too deep, not not way deep in the ground. So not as deep like you would plant a dahlia tuber, or you want it to be no, covered. no, or bulbs or something, you know, other mm-hmm. bulbs or things like that. It's more Is like it an co- iris, and the irises are kind of the same. Like the Dutch irises, um, mm-hmm. you know, the they bearded don't, iris, they don't yeah. want to be, yeah, they don't want to be really deep. They want to be right at the surface, and you know, the the peony is just really prepping your site, really weeding it well, and um, maybe mixing in a little bit of compost. Maybe, maybe if you've got really heavy soil, mixing in a bit of sand. Uh, are are they sensitive? Kind of, for fertility or pH, is that something that you need to be concerned about? Oh, Teresa, you know, I don't really think about it too much. I mean, I wouldn't over-fertilize them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm going to add a ton of really strong fertilizer to my, Cause I, my I soil. Because I see them kind of naturalize and, and seem to be okay in some kind of crappy places. Yeah, I mean, I have them old peonies that came with gardens that I care for or even in my home garden where there were peonies that were here probably since the 50s um, that had formed patches that are, you know, three and a half foot of of peonies. Wow. Um, Just chunked out, chunked out. And they don't seem to be really hungry. They don't, um, they also don't seem to be, that fussed about being divided. Uh, You know, there's things like daylilies that I think, oh, I'm going to divide this every three seasons or so, or even irises where I think, okay, you know, you need to divide that to have it keep performing well. But the peonies just seem to be happy, even in a a three-and-a-half-foot-wide peony clump. Um, So, you know, sometimes we do divide peonies because maybe our friends want some, where we want to put them in different places in our gardens or 
they've decided to hang over a pathway <laughs> because they've grown so large. Um, uh, and then and then you can dig and divide. And I, I did some of that this spring, and I think you were the recipient of, of some I was peony babies. I was. <laughs> I'm trying really hard. This um, is the other thing that I've heard, because this is my first year of growing some of these peonies, and some of them are sending up flower bulbs, and I'm trying to steal myself to cut those flowers off. Because I've heard yes. that the first year you plant a peony, you really want it to focus on its roots, not on its flowers. And it's killing me. I don't want to cut yeah. them off, but I need to cut it's them off. It's a hard one, and it's not like that plant is going to die if you don't do it. If you need to get a sneak peek at, at what it is <laughs> if you haven't seen it before. But if you've seen it in the catalog or, you know, a, a, a friend's passed it to you or you saw it in the, the nursery when you bought it blooming, mm -hmm. um, yeah, take off that first initial flush of blooms the first year. And it's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that will be worth it the next year because they're not putting um, that energy into forming those flowers, and they can go ahead and put it into the roots. Um, yeah, also, it'll make a better even, estab even established peonies, thinking about deadheading after they've bloomed. And I love the way those seed pods look and I might leave you know a little handful of it of them but if I have a peony that is putting out 20 blossoms I'm not going to let every single one of those blossoms form a seed head and take a bunch of energy from those roots to form those seeds do you, are, how are your peonies they looking? don't receive themselves though do they no, they don't receive them. <laughs> no, we wish, yeah. Teresa. I was, like, getting excited here. Wait a minute. I thought it was you could only divide. I'm still learning about these plants. But I'm excited <laughs> about them because they're so beautiful, and they grow so well in our region. I mean, peonies are just one of these gorgeous flowers that you see growing. Like, yeah. they're starting to bloom now. And it's just such a showstopper when you walk through someone's garden and see this peony. Whoa. You know, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, they can be a little trendy. I will varieties. Say. Oh my goodness, whoo! They are not inexpensive. Um, but you know, again, when you think about, it, you're buying a plant that potentially could outlive you. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good oh, investment that's a thought, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not like something you're gonna, you know, buy and then have to buy another one next year, um, unless you do something exactly. really and kill it, which I am entirely capable of doing, but I'm hoping not. So peonies, or I mean, yeah, if you decide, right now, I you wanted like to them. ask you also no. about some other kind of ornamental things that I'm seeing. I know that I've kind of like indulged in and, and um, viburnum, <laughs> the snowball bush. So they, when you're buying uh, perennials, oftentimes they're, they might get, you know, 15 feet tall or wide or even five feet tall and wide. But when you're buying them, maybe you're buying them in a gallon pot or even a smaller pot. How do you, I mean, it's, so hard to know how much room to give them because it looks like such a tiny plant. Is there that, a way to, yeah. I mean, what do you advise, especially if you have a new garden? I'm thinking about like if I had a new area and I, I'm supposed to plant these things 10 feet apart. Well, I plant this one tiny little plant over here and then 10 feet over here. I plant this one tiny little plant over here. And maybe in a few years they'll be big. But in the meantime, I've got this huge 10 foot wide gap in between them. What do, what do you suggest? doing there in the meantime besides just growing weeds well i think the the first thing that i would do is the the shrouds and trees that you're thinking about purchasing 
um, even if it's on the spot. Uh, uh-huh. to, to really con- consult with your uh, nursery person that's right there that's uh-huh. full of information or uh-huh. consult with your phone, which is unfortunately with all of us. Um, uh-huh. or consult with your favorite um, gardening book about uh, mature sizes and really uh-huh. think about mature sizes. And then here in the Pacific Northwest, think about... Uh, that that is probably going to be more than what they're saying. <laughs> really? You know, add a little, add a little where we are? percent there. Yes, because mm. we have so much beautiful rain, because we have such a mild climate, um, perennials, trees, trees, shrubs often get a little bit bigger than they might somewhere else. And I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to happen. But I think it's um, good to take that into account. And then as far as uh, actually doing some measuring, you know, get, get out a measuring tape, get out a yardstick, kind of look at wh- what you have pre-existing and what you really might have the room for. And then when you're doing your, your planting, hopefully not in the blazing heat of the summer, but this is a beautiful time while we're still getting some rains to to get some things established. Or the fall time is a really nice time uh-huh. to plant perennials or trees or shrubs so that they have that, that winter to be able to be just watered. But uh-huh. say you're planting now and you're all ready to uh, go ahead and, and water <laughs> and keep an yeah. eye on that guy. Um, yeah, and 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 weed around. The, the... That's right. I mean, that's it's hard to uh, to remember this, and I forget sometimes too. You plant something, and maybe you're planting it now, and it's raining, but in July when it's not, its its roots won't have really grown that much, right? No, no. So as we're getting as we're getting things established, definitely in the first season, and with trees for two seasons going to be doing some supplemental watering and really kind of we're making a commitment to those plants or uh-huh. you know depending on what kind of commitments we make maybe we're making a commitment that oh you might die <laughs> uh but no one you know we're know making what you're a getting commit- into yes exactly we're, we're making a commitment to kind of during the dry spells uh be doing some supplemental watering but what to do in between those plants, Teresa, if you've got all that space? Well, gosh, there's so many beautiful annuals that we can look at to be growing. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you have a 10 feet space between your viburnum and a pre-established rhododendron in your garden. Um, mm-hmm. You know, work on that soil a tiny bit, uh, weed. And think about having a little a little pollinator planting. Think about having a little vegetable planting, or or you know a wildflower mix, or uh, a, a little annual poppy garden. I used to not think about annuals as options, and now, oh, I just I'm so excited about so many things that you can make a commitment to for a season. Yeah, and go ahead and turn them under or move on. I know some of the buckwheats that we've been looking at. Oh, oh so and, beautiful. And realizing um, that there's some native buckwheats and using mm-hmm. that space maybe as an opportunity 
to do a little bit of um, research into some some native perennials, things that you can start from seed and check it out, see, see how it goes, and, and use that space that you just know is going to be taken up by that viburnum that you're planting, that beautiful snowball bush. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. I've always wanted one. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think, too, really I mean, what I have to bear in mind sometimes when I'm doing things like that is, you know, that spot might be really sunny right now, but once those shrubs really grow in, it might become yeah. very shady. So I, I, it would not be smart to plant a whole bunch of daffodils there and want them to naturalize because at some point they would be in the shade. Well, edges, or, those daffodils could, could make it on the edges, or if you aren't afraid of work <laughs> you could you could have a bulb planting in there for a couple of seasons and then move those bulbs in the green this is a great time of year after daffodils certain narcissus uh fritillarias there's a lot of bulbs that once they've bloomed um we can go ahead and move those around while we're thinking oh, about really? where we'd like to have some more of them yeah yeah so i'm doing a bunch not, but you don't want to cut now. those greens off you want to leave the green on. You want to leave the green anyway, on anyway because they're dying back. Um, yep. You want to take same as the peonies. You want to take their seed pods off so they don't form big, luscious narcissus seeds that aren't going to germinate. Um, and take and t- again those seed pods forming take energy away from that bulb. Um, and that is something I didn't realize as a younger gardener, that we could move things in the green, that, that we could move bulbs specifically, um, mm-hmm. fritillarias, uh, some of the um, hyacinths. Uh, once what about the little muscari, like the grape cycle? And, oh, I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I got and, and, your garden you know, maybe you've got a year. whole bunch of oh, them I in one them. spot. Mm-hmm. And you want some some over here? Go ahead and dig those clumps, divide them up, and the narcissists really like getting into smaller clumps, you know, individual bulbs. So they they do want to be divided. They Narciss- can be like- divided. They are not gonna they're not gonna not perform for you if you don't divide them. But they, they love getting a little bit of room around them. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. I haven't really invested yeah. in, in narcissists so, or, or daffodils. I use those two words interchangeably. I hope that's okay. Yeah, that's totally okay. Okay. <laughs> I know. You're the, you're the one that does the plant Latin, so I, I defer to you on these things. Oh, you've got plenty of Latin. <laughs> you've got plenty of Latin. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a poser. But uh, that's really good to know because sometimes things show up and that's not where you want them. And I always think of fall as the time to move things around, but in the fall – your your daffodils wouldn't you wouldn't see where they are. That's when you plant yeah. It as and, and sometimes you can try doing that from photographs, but mm-hmm. it's so much easier. But it's just easier um, if the green easier, is there and to I think mark where it is. Cert- yeah, exactly. And if you have a certain sort of brain, um, like I have a very artistic brain, a lot of my gardening world. You know, I'm taking into account the plants, the mature sizes, the site. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking into account things, but I'm also kind of painting pictures with the plants. Yeah. 
And so, so that's sometimes what do when it's they're easier there. when you can see it, you know, because it's mm-hmm. an ever-changing picture. So sometimes mm-hmm. when that picture is presented, like this time of year, it's so easy to think, oh, I should have that white thalia uh, narcissus over here, too. Let me dig up this clump of 20 of them that's off mm-hmm. in the corner of my garden and... You know, divide them up and, and move them amongst the beds. That's a great idea. That's a great project. Also with right that, now. like you, you've, uh, you live in an older farmhouse. Were there, any, were there any daffodils there on the property? There were a few, but not, oh, not like the big drifts of ones that you see. At our old farm in Seaside, oh, there was a beautiful daffodil that was like a double one and it was slightly fragrant and so gorgeous and they were just in these like this the sea of them on this one hillside it was so amazing i never figured out the name of it um i've I've looked it up but it was it was gorgeous and you definitely see them around so many places and i kind of feel like i need to plant that a field of daffodils to naturalize because that (laughs) seems like a really good legacy for a farm to leave for future generations is wild (laughs) narcissists Because it's so beautiful. To me, it's so hopeful. That first really big hit of color that we get in the spring is so beautiful. And they make such sweet little little bouquets inside. Um, We live in a real we live in a real historic place, Uh, Mm -hmm. and there are I I really enjoy that when I get to see new gardens. or I'm, I'm starting a new garden, getting to see some of those these things that are established already ah. in a space and getting to maybe share them out a little bit, you know? It is really fun um, when you think about plants that have been here a long time. And I notice this as I drive to town along Highway 202 as I'm coming in from Olney, and I see certain, in a lot of the older houses, you see similar plants or similar trees or similar shrubs in all of the houses that are really old and established. And it just makes me think, you know, 50, 60 years ago, you know, did everyone just get, you know, a bundle of these plants and plant them at their house? And, you know, we've all got the same um, flowering plum tree out here. <laughs> there's, you know, certain areas where there's like apple trees that are all the same. You know, there's certain kinds of roadies that you see over and over again. And it's just interesting to try and understand the the history of that. And you can also see sometimes where maybe where a house used to be but no uh-huh. longer is. Maybe it burned down or was taken down. But the, the plants around it, the plants that were planted around that house that are ornamental are still there. And I love that. Yes. Yeah, me too. Old roses. Uh, uh. And I, that, it's so interesting that you you have the same thought process because I thought, well, did they just sell these all at the, you know, the Howkey's market, all these red rhododendrons? <laughs> because I, you know, we'll think about it, you know, even you think about how long those things live. I mean, who knows when they were planted. But, you know, there, were, there weren't, you know, there wasn't these huge nurseries around back then. You know, maybe it would have been like someone, you know, going door to door selling, you know, bundles of plants. Who knows? But there might be a reason yeah. why there was a limited selection, and so everybody sort of planted the same things. But they may not yeah. be varieties I, that are around I for sale anymore. Yeah, I joke about this, the Hauke's market, but you often would see 
that, um, you know, as a child in Oregon, you know, going to the grocery store and there was four varieties of shrubs that were mm-hmm. that were there in two gallon pots that you could pick up while you were picking up your groceries and mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. And, and and that is something to think about if you're thinking about planting rhododendrons, if you're thinking about planting a lilac. There are some really underused varieties out there that maybe you'll have to do a little bit of research for or possibly even get in your car and have a little socially distanced shopping trip. But mm-hmm. it's fun to think about in introducing other varieties into the area of shrubs, mm-hmm. small trees, shrubs and things. I know it's, it's so beautiful to see. I, I mean, I have to say before I moved to the Pacific Northwest, I was not much of a rhododendron fan or an azalea fan. And mm-hmm. you know, I, there, but when you see those huge old ones, and some of the colors, whoa, they're so amazing and beautiful. And then looking at the flowers up close, it's just stunning to see these kind of hits of color coming in waves this time of year. And um, I've really come to appreciate them as shrubs that do well in this area. I mean, sometimes can get quite large. Um, yeah, our sometimes if you, rhododendron. If you move into a home the that under- has a very overgrown rhododendron, that can be daunting. But uh, I, yes. do, I have done some regenerative pruning on some of my roadies here, and I uh, need to do a little bit more. And you can cut them back pretty hard, and they will look terrible for a season, and then they'll look great after that. Yeah, and I mean, with the with the regenerative pruning, you can take a roadie to the ground and then be able to have your choice of branches as it's coming back up. And that's, you know, that's the... That that's the 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 thing that you the work you will have to do with the regenerative pruning is it's not just chopping it to the ground, but then monitoring as it's coming back how many branches that you let regrow. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of roadies where people have done some um, uh, imaginative pruning. <laughs> And, Which uh, is kind of and cool then they as turn well. Into spaghetti. <laughs> they turn into spaghetti. They're like ropes around back and forth around each other. Um, so, so definitely monitoring if you're going to be doing some regenerative pruning. But the thing to think about, uh, back to the beginning of our chat, think about mature size. There are a mm-hmm. lot of roadies out there that are smaller varieties, dwarf uh, roadies like the cupcake. Um, Things that have different roadies that, and azaleas that have different colors than you're normally seeing. And, you know, it's really worth doing that research about the mature size and really thinking about where you want to put it because it's so much easier to take care of a plant that's in the right place for it rather than trying to form something into where we want it to be um, which we see so much with foundation plantings around old houses where people just put them right up against the house. Oh, yeah. I've got a laurel right up against our house. <laughs> and I, I 
should have taken it out a while ago and I didn't and now it's just a monster and I whack it back to the ground and then it comes back again and I, I think I need to just like it's the kind of thing where you need to put a chain around it and then take a really strong truck and pull it out you can't dig it out it's just right there and uh, I think that is something to think about you know with some of these really big shrubs if you plant them right up against your house what's that going to do to your foundation yeah, definitely. Anything that you're planting against the house. I'm I'm not a fan of planting things right up against the house or vines or roses that climb on the house. I think we have our mm-hmm. garden, and then we have that house structure that we have to take care of all the time. <laughs> and yeah, if you've got a area growing all over your house, it's really hard when you need to paint it. Yeah, yeah. Also, the thing that you just said about, about looking at that um, – that laurel and thinking, oh, maybe I should take this out. You know, that is always an option. If you're fighting something, if you are just doing like you're stuck in a maintenance trap with something because it's in the wrong place, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just kinder to to take that thing out, let it go. Yeah. It is hard sometimes when you move into an older house and there's a lot of established plants. I know this has happened to be in different gardens that I've lived in throughout my life, I feel sort of guilty. Like, oh, somebody yeah. did this, and it meant something to them, and but I really don't like it, and I want to get rid of it. And I, I feel like gardens should be places that you find solace and that bring you joy. And if a plant really makes you unhappy or you just hate the color of it or it's just not your thing, it, I feel like it should be okay to take it out if it's your garden. It is okay, Teresa. That is okay. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I plant and gard- <laughs> gardening is a slow-moving art, and we all have different palettes that we want to use. And yeah. it is okay to kind of, you know, I mean, don't don't chop down a giant rare Japanese maple or a giant, you know, the, the, what, some thought yeah. about it, a little thought. No, I, but yes, yeah. it is okay yeah. to take things out. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be thoughtful. I know we have a we have an enormous, it's become enormous, camellia here at the farm that is just this terrible color of pink, and it always blooms in February right when it's pouring down rain. So it, it's not even something that I can enjoy because it's just like having wet tissue paper all over this part of the yard. And it, it just it got out of control. It got way too big. And I kind of want to just completely chop it down, but the birds love making nests in there. And I see all this activity in there. And so now I'm like, oh, now I can't cut it down because it's habitat, but I still hate it. (laughs) But I love it more. Plant some new habitat. Plant some new habitat. (laughs) It's okay. I know. I just, I don't know. Not a camellia fan. Teresa, I think we've almost used that. Gosh, I just can't believe it. Here I am running around deadheading and weeding in my own garden while I'm talking to you, but I think we've we've reached our half an hour and, again, barely touched the surface of thinking about perennials in our gardens. Well, I am so grateful for your wisdom and experience that you can share because there's a lot of – there's nuance, but it's also – thank you for encouraging – you know, just some common sense approaches to these things because it, it helps me as I try to approach and introduce more perennials onto my farm um, to understand some of the, the, just pay attention to these things and then go for it. Um, yep. I'm excited. So thank yep. you for sharing that. And mm, thank uh, you. thanks and- to everybody who's listening. Um, hope you're all staying safe and happy and healthy. And, um, and thanks to Dylan for engineering and coordinating this remote 
remote phone call. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Ooh, Steve. Music. What, a, okay. what a great chat. Really nice <laughs> we'll chatting with you. We'll talk to you again you next and... time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.